0: Welcome to MAKER Mixtapes, I'm Tom Whatley and in this episode we talk about simple video marketing and mining for content distribution opportunities. MAKER Mixtapes is all about the marketers, entrepreneurs and creators who are executing on great ideas. And today I'm joined by Erin Ellis, Content Marketing Manager at Vidyard. Erin shares her approach to what she calls mining for creators. Finding people within your organization with a passion for content, video, and anything else they might be doing on the site. We also talk about how to simplify the video production process, as well as her philosophy to content marketing at one of the leading SaaS video platforms. If you're looking for some ideas on how to like empower your employees to get involved in the content and distribution process, especially in a world where everyone is a creator, this one is definitely for you. So do enjoy. Erin, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: So I noticed that before you got your start in content marketing, you worked in the world of sales enablement for BlackBerry. And while there's certainly a tremendous amount of overlap between the two, they do carry very different objectives. Could you tell me a little bit more about what you did there and how it propelled you and prepared you for the world of SaaS content marketing?
1: Absolutely. I started in marketing at uh, BlackBerry way back in 2008, which just seems like an eternity ago. Mm -hmm. So I was very much a marketing generalist yeah. out of school. I kind of did everything. And then when I joined BlackBerry, I was on the segment marketing team. So working with a lot of big industry partners on events and programs and co-marketing opportunities. But as the world kind of changed in the world of BlackBerry, I joined at an interesting time between you know the housing big bubble crash of 08, plus it was mm-hmm. the rise of the iPhone in the enterprise space, something that they ignored was going to actually be a thing forever. And then all of a sudden it was a thing. There was a lot of structural changes at the organization and we got a little bit reorged. And so I was sort of, here's where you can focus now is on sales enablement. And when that happened, I was kind of like, what's sales enablement? What is this? What do I do? do?" So it was a very new world to me. That being said, it was an awesome transition. I had a fantastic leader and mentor who I'm still very close with. um, And she guided me and it it was great. So yeah, I was kind of going from that, that public facing, big events, working with partners to more behind the scenes work, making sure that our global sales team had all of the latest training and communication and sales tools at their disposal so they could actually sell our products. So it was, yeah, it wasn't intentional, which I kind of, across my career, I kind of got into content marketing by accident as well. So I just sort of go where the path leads me and it usually ends up the way that it's supposed to end up. So yeah, it was uh, a lot of content creation. It wasn't necessarily public facing, but I think gave me a really good foundation for moving into content marketing later in my career
0: yeah does the topic ideation process getting really into the weeds here how how does it look in comparison to creating content for a SaaS platform like vidyard you know how do you know what the right content is for sales enablement
1: it's that's a good question it's working it was sort of the middle point between the marketing organization and the sales organization yeah. So taking a product marketing or segment marketing or solution marketing message and distilling that down in a way for sales for it to be consumable. And also, I don't know how many sales people you work with, but they don't want to dive into a deep report. They're like, what are the few mm-hmm. things that I need? What are the, what's the elevator pitch? What are the few um, pieces that I can sort of bubble up that I need in my conversation? So distilling that marketing message down for that group and then working closely with sales as they are speaking to, customers and prospective customers out in the world of they're actually hearing what people, what their objections are, what their questions are. So sort of bridging the gap between those two to distill down the message and then bring in the objective objection handling to help them overcome those barriers um, and then creating tools that kind of help meet those two worlds together.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And do you find that that gave you a taste for content marketing or did you kind of fall into the world of content marketing as an organic progression from there? Yeah. How did you get into it?
1: Um, So it was very much organic. Uh, An opportunity came up with another um, tech company in town. The the nice thing about BlackBerry starting here, it was sort of the hub for everybody who was wanting to work in tech. You went to BlackBerry, it was almost like you're finishing school, I suppose. But is that started to wind down. People were either let go or left to look for other opportunities, but it spun up a lot of innovation within the community. So either leaders were leading, leaving to start new startups or lead startups. And then we also it, were a university town as well. So there's a lot of innovation just happening here. So there was a lot of opportunity to explore other organizations. So I went to desire to learn which is an LMS provider for higher education, K-12 and corporate learning as well. So that was sort of the next path. And I got back into marketing. It was kind of a a bit of both of marketing and sales enablement focused on the corporate learning space. And then from there, I was there, I think a couple of years and an opportunity came up where we needed somebody to focus on content. And I was like, well, that sounds sort of interesting. Maybe give that a go. And then (laughs) I jumped in and never looked back. So... That's kind of how I landed in the the content marketing world.
0: It is definitely a more enjoyable of the marketing world. And I I can see you're creating a lot of good stuff at Vidyard. And I was checking out the blog again, where just before our chat, and one of the things that really pop out above the fold are those kind of epic guides that you create. How much work goes into, you know, actually producing, planning, and executing on content of that nature?
1: It's a lot, but... It's kind of, we made this big shift where it was, we've kind of made two big shifts. So when I started, it was just a lot of like, let's just get like two blogs up a week and let's just pump it out and let's just Mm -hmm. get it all up there, which we were moving at a very fast pace and then sort of year in quickly realized we're creating all this content, but nobody's actually consuming it. So taking a step back of, okay, let's consolidate and optimize and make pillar content based on a topic. And then you can sort of create spokes or different sub pieces supporting that overall pillar piece or those hero guides that you're talking about on our page. So there was a huge exercise in cleanup and mapping. That being said, a lot of the content already existed. It was just getting our arms around where it was, updating it, and then bringing it together together so it was, it was a lot of work, but it was definitely a good investment because those pages now exist for us. And now it's just mm-hmm. all about optimization and just making sure that they're up to date, but the foundation has been built. So I definitely say investing in that pillar content foundation is key. And then, yeah. so, so go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, so you kind of bought the content that you were creating at fast pace together to create those pillar pieces rather than just starting from scratch.
1: Yes, absolutely. And then you can kind of look at where the next iteration of that can be, where either you're creating blog, like say five blog posts related to a topic, and then you bring Mm -hmm. them together to create that overall arching pillar piece. And then from there, you can create a downloadable guide or PDF or some other conversion opportunity, again, from all of this content that already exists versus just trying to create an ebook fresh, just starting from scratch kind of thing.
0: Yeah, 100%. And how does that feed into kind of the broader Vidyard content strategy?
1: It leads in perfectly because we're kind of doing a little bit of a, a reset. Many content marketers can kind of relate to this. And I, I alluded it to just like the focus of I've got to create, create, create. So even though we did this huge exercise of creating this great pillar content we were still whether it be blogs or guides or video content or whatever it happened to be we were still in this very much of create 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 phase where we are just pumping out so much stuff that we've we've just started our our new quarter that for this quarter we're doing a bit of a reset where we're like we're actually going to try and do less we have the foundation we don't have a problem of not having enough content. We have a problem Mm -hmm. of making sure our content is distributed and being amplified in as many channels as possible. So sort of the reset that we're looking to do is taking, okay, this content that we have and turning it into micro pieces and where can it live and, and how can we sort of share it in as many channels as possible. So an example of that, of what we're looking at our top performing blogs and actually creating video versions. So we create, you know, if it takes you 10 minutes to read the blog, we create a five minute quick hit video that we embed right in the blog. So you have the option to read or watch. And then we also upload that video to our YouTube channel. So if you're searching for a topic, you could happen upon it that way as well. And then we use that video content either in its entirety or clips of it to promote across our various social channels or email campaigns or what have you. So that's just kind of one example of how we're trying to take a thing and turn it into a bunch of other things
0: repurposing and getting one piece of content to work as hard as it can for you yes yes awesome i want to touch upon video shortly but uh, because it'd be rude not to being from vidyard and all that good stuff you mentioned you know repurposing content for specific channels and the first thing that comes to mind is social but are there any other distribution or content promotion channels that are a little bit unconventional that you use to get your content out there
1: That's kind of where we're in an exploratory phase right now. Obviously, social is a huge part of that. The traditional just getting your team, your company to share your content as people relate more to a person sharing a blog post versus our corporate handle sharing a blog post. So there's sort of that of like using your people to elevate your brand. And then also on that note, getting your people to micro post for you on LinkedIn. So they don't necessarily have to be sharing a link, but Mm. you know, if you have an ABM expert on your marketing team that he or she could be sharing some insights, like this year we went through launching an entire ABM program and that was a lot of lessons learned where our ABM lead has spoken on webinars and she's sharing stuff on LinkedIn. So it's not necessarily Vidyard or video, Mm -hmm. but just there's a lot of knowledge sharing going on on social that as a unique distribution channel where you don't have to be pushing your product. You can just sort of be sharing with your community and like-minded people. And if people happen to think, oh, where does that person work? Oh, Vidyard, what's that? Then you kind of have some awareness there. So that's sort of one channel that we're looking at. And then sort of micro influencers is another area that we're kind of exploring as well. If it's podcast hosts or it's, Mm -hmm. you know, YouTube influencers surfacing up our free video recording tool is like, hey, check this out. Or have you thought about using this and sort of looking that as another option. And then partner networks. We have a huge um, partner integration community. So that's another really big channel. If you have a partner network to look for co-marketing opportunities of, they've probably got great stuff that applies to your audience and vice versa. And how could you sort of be sharing the love that way is another kind of distribution channel that we're looking at.
0: Yeah. The the kind of the link between all of those approaches are relationships by the sounds of it, right? Are you going to be bringing your sales enablement chops to the employee sharing side of things? Because encouraging other employees to share content can be a task in itself. If you kind of come up with a, you know, an approach or guidance on how to do that.
1: We've tried different things, contests, that works really well with a a sales audience if there's any kind Mm -hmm. of competitive element to it. So yeah, we're always trying to come up with new ways to sort of engage on that front. And a lot of it, again, it just comes back to those relationships where if you're looking on LinkedIn and you have one of your sales reps that's shared some great insightful piece of content, just reaching out to them one-to-one and being like, hey, do you want to appear on a TikTok video? Or hey, do you want to contribute to a blog post or come on our yeah. like podcast or whatever it is? It's just kind of being very mindful of what people are doing, especially sales reps out in your communities and they're forging those personal connections. Cause again, if I put out a call on a Slack channel, Hey sales, have any examples of, or want to do this versus, Hey Jim, do you want to come help me out? Do a quick video on how to like, they're a lot more likely to engage and participate on on that. And I mean, it's kind of hard to scale sometimes depending on the size of your company. But if you could get a handful of super engaged employees helping and sharing, that's going to go a long way
0: yeah it's a matter of taking the research approach internally you know taking the time for that qualitative insight and knowing who the movers and shakers are within the organization
1: yeah for sure
0: you mentioned micro influence being another one as well and whenever i hear that term i immediately go to like the world of fashion and, and things like that. It's a very B2C term. What do you think a micro-influencer looks like in the world of SaaS, B2B specifically, when addressing marketers and salespeople?
1: I think there's a lot around just tech in general. That's something that we're discovering, where it might not be entirely your audience, but there's a lot of you know YouTube influencers out there that are just evaluating either free or hacky or cool tech to be more efficient or to connect or whatever it happens to be. So I think there's kind of that audience and then you have your more specialized audience. So it might be people who specialize in social selling. So we've connected with a few of those type of influencers and worked with them on video content or had them on our podcast show or asked them to share our content. So it's just, again, doing a lot of research and those personal connections that you can kind of make with those people as well. And then doing it in a way that's authentic and doesn't feel gross is also the (laughs)
0: fine line. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Of you're like, I want you to actually find value in this tool. I don't want you just to be like, this is awesome. Kind of thing.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Not just, you know, promoting it because you paid them to, rather, they're actually getting value from it and they want to share it. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind when you talk about Encouraging people to share because someone might, you know, see someone talking about ABM, for example, and they they'll be like, oh, what's Vidyard about?" As content marketers, we're often under pressure to measure everything. It's got to be, you know, measurable from an ROI perspective. How do you go about selling that vision internally when attribution is not always possible?
1: It's a good question. I think we do a, a fairly good job internally of measuring and. Video can kind of come into that for us and for those that use a video platform, because from if you're using it on, from a sales perspective, you can kind of see, oh, have my open rates increased? Am I getting more replies? Like it's sort of an instant thing that you can either benchmark. I've got my open rates for this and now they're this. And then from a marketing perspective, beyond just views, you can look at engagement And then you can actually score people. So if somebody's coming to my blog and reading my blog and they're a known user and they happen to watch, if I have four video examples within that blog and they watch X amount of them, Mm. it's all being points added up to send them to an MQI or an MQL that we're sort of able to track. And then you can sort of demonstrate the value of, of doing that.
0: Yeah. It's the best we can do.
1: It's the best we can do. (laughs) And it's a lot of trying and failing too, right? Like, and not being afraid to fail and understanding that not every organization is going to give you that, but being scrappy and if you can produce and create and put things out especially on the micro side quickly. Yeah. And you're like, oof, that didn't work. Okay, let's pick up dust stuff and try something else. It's a bit harder if you're like, let's spend you know $70,000 on a video campaign. There's a little more pressure there to obviously yeah. show. But again, on that micro level, I think it's just a lot of like, hey, let's try this. Like for us to produce a video version of our blog, that doesn't cost us anything. And if it works, amazing, let's do more of that. And if it doesn't let's move on to the next
0: thing. You can ping things out and see what comes back quickly.
1: Yeah.
0: On that note, what do you think are some of like the biggest challenges that content marketers are facing right now? And what hurdles do you think are waiting for us in the future? <sighs> That's a good <laughs> question. One. That is a good one. <laughs> I like asking this one because as an agency founder, it's been a while since I've been a practitioner in-house. So it's always good to get that perspective. And I think...
1: Yeah, I think just sales and marketing, since we've gone remote, has posed challenges for different reasons. If you think on the demand side of things, physical events were such a huge part of our demand strategy and so many... Marketing and sales, even from like our sales prospecting, working booths and talking to people, um, and following up on those events. Like, so that was a that was kind of a, a big shift, and it was a challenge. And then remotely, how can you move your vents remotely where you don't lose the engagement? How do you move sales remotely where you don't lose the engagement? Content? How do you go remote video production? Say. How do you, if, you know, I used to go on site and do customer stories where they would be great big productions. I go down to Boston for three days and film a customer. How do you kind of get those content pieces when you can't physically go places is <laughs> a bit of a challenge. But I also think it's an opportunity because it forces us to look at things in a different way. And this last year has obviously kind of demonstrated that the move to to virtual events, we've actually seen more success because you can... We used to do uh, one sort of virtual event a year, and now we're doing it once a quarter just because you can reach so many more people. And even if you hire in a big keynote speaker, say, you don't have to necessarily fly them out somewhere and have all of the extra stuff associated with that. And then our salespeople, as far as networking virtual events, they're making connections and answering questions and sharing videos. So they've worked a way around that. And then from a video production standpoint, we figured out all kinds of fun ways to remotely produce video content like it can be done. And it just forces you to kind of think outside
0: the box a little bit. Yeah, It's, uh, it's interesting you touch upon video production there and finding different ways of doing it because, you know, even before this pandemic, I know a lot of marketers found The video production process a bit daunting, and it'd be a bit rude not to touch upon video marketing with you anyway, being the content marketer at Vidyard. What does that production process look like for you, and how do you kind of reduce that overwhelm?
1: Yeah, I was kind of thinking about this a little bit, and I sort of think there's sort of three three areas almost to look at. So one, I think it kind of goes back to we were talking about um, making connections at your company. It's sort of mining your team for creators. So depending on the age and demographic, just looking at Vidyard, there are so many people that kind of have side things where they're building their personal brands. Right. We've got wellness coaches, professional mus- musicians, um, YouTube influencers, mummy bloggers. I decorate cookies for a hobby and have a whole different channel just dedicated to that.
0: I need to check that out. <laughs> I'll
1: send you my handle. Um, but chances are these people building their personal brands are creating video. Yeah. And they're either doing it just on their phone or they're using QuickTime or Adobe Rush or very simple tools to bring it all together. They're comfortable on camera. They're putting themselves out there. So it's kind of looking within your pool of resources of people who are already doing cool, fun things out there on their own and then pushing them a little bit to bring it into their professional setting because they have that foundation. It's just, hey, do you want to try putting on this hat on the professional business B2B side of it? So I think that's the one thing like I've really noticed is just mining your internal talent pool for people who are creators because you could be a content marketing team of one or a marketing team of 30, but chances are like your HR person could have some crazy side gig that they've got going on that you don't even know about, right? So it's kind of mining your your internal pool of, of talent. So that's kind of one piece of it. And then the other thing, if you don't have that or to build on that is to upscale your team or take it upon yourself to upskill yourself. And I'll give you an example that we've done on our marketing team. It was kind of a, a fun thing that Came out of the pandemic and all of us going not a fun thing that came out of the pandemic. That sounds terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a fun thing that you created despite the pandemic.
1: <laughs> of, of going remote and going virtual, we were very connected in our office. We ate lunch together every day. Like the culture of our office was very important. And then so all of a sudden, us being remote that was a big hit and a big blow to a lot of us, but you're sitting, we'll have stand up meetings, you know, three times a week. You're seeing people's backgrounds in their houses. And it's kind of that curiosity of like their environment and where they live. So we did a challenge that everyone on the marketing team, I don't know if you've ever heard of the MTV show Cribs.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. We have that <laughs> okay. in the UK. We... <laughs> um, so
1: everyone on the marketing team had to create a Cribs video of their home and doing a home tour showing off their crib. It's kind of that curiosity of you're, you're, you're seeing a window into where people are working into their homes. You know, a kid runs in the background or I'm in my playroom slash living room right now. So our, we have two video producers in-house and they pulled together some assets, some B-roll, some intro, outro, here's some music, and then did a quick video tutorial on how to use QuickTime to edit video. So the entire marketing team were tasked with producing their own videos. So it was a little bit of watch a tutorial, use these assets and then build and then share. And so now the entire team has some sort of baseline where we have some production skills. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a way of just like thinking about how you could upscale, upscale your team or yourself. And then the last thing is just getting creative. So with the idea of like remote video production, you kind of use the tools that you have. You don't need fancy things. I have like a simple ring light and a webcam. You could use your computer's webcam. You could use your phone. Or if you want to get a little fancier, set up a DSLR camera, earbuds. Like it doesn't have to be super fancy, natural light from your window to make it happen. And then we, I'm just trying to think, like we did one series sort of early in the spring last year. We did it over Zoom. We're, our producer directed, I think there was four of us, And then each of us had our cameras set up, like our um, cell phone cameras set up and recording. And we each recorded our portion of it and he directed us. And then he took all the files and brought them together in a little video series that we did at the end of it. So there's ways to do it. You just kind of have to think outside the box a little bit.
0: Yeah, that is fantastic. I'm really impressed about your approach to mining for creators. It takes a tremendous amount of self-awareness that, oh, Jenny from HR makes videos about her puppies and puppy training. She knows this stuff. Why don't we allow her and empower her to flex those muscles for Vidyard?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest things I've kind of noticed of, yeah, the talent's there. You just kind of got to find it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where do you think the, the world of video marketing is going?
1: So I think it's, it's really, again, about more creators and individual creators and making those connections and authenticity, less money spent on huge, big brand videos and more money invested in people and just telling stories. And again, just the individual creators. I don't think things need to be highly produced. It's, is it, an authentic message? Is it connecting on a human to human level? I think that's much more valuable and sort of where I see things going. 100%
0: 100% cool one last question before I let you go what are you working on at Vidyard at the moment that you're super jazzed about
1: oh, what's the next big thing next um so we <laughs> I talk about doing less and it's like I'm thinking of all the things that I'm working on <laughs> um, so these these ideas of uh, micro content packages of sort of defining what those are what those look like that's kind of an exciting new Venture for us, but as far as like big projects, we have some big research reports coming out this quarter. Um, so I'm kind of heads down behind the scenes, gathering data and pulling all of that together because those will sort of be our big hero pieces that carry us through the entire year. And those are always fun—not fun to do, but fun to see through when you produce a big, huge thing and then launch a campaign. That's always very rewarding. So that's sort of where I'm focused next for the next little while. And <laughs> should be fun
0: yeah should be fun seeing it through as you say getting the data organizing it all is is quite a task but yeah
1: not that part i don't like that part i love seeing the big glossy finalized thing and then yeah when (laughs) it's like okay let's go promote it that's when we can have a party
0: absolutely absolutely erin this has been a really fun chat where can people learn more about you
1: um you can find me on linkedin and If you want tips and tricks for getting comfortable on camera, video marketing, video for sales, be sure to check out the Vidyard blog. Lots of great content on there. But yeah, that's the best place if you're looking for more information on getting started with video. I'd highly recommend checking out vidyard.com slash blog.
0: I agree with that. Perfect. Erin, thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening. Before you dash, just a quick note to share a free ebook we just published called the Content Operations Playbook. If you're interested in content marketing and SEO, then this ebook is for you. We lift the hood up on our own editorial and content production processes from hiring writers, creating solid content briefs, polishing content to be the best it can be, and of course, distributing it to actually generate traffic. It's totally free and you can download it over at grizzle.io forward slash content ops. That's www.grizzle.io forward slash ops. And hey, if you enjoy this podcast, feel free to subscribe. We've got a lot of great conversations lined up with experts in the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship coming up. Thanks again.